welcome to Chapter Chumps, a reading podcast where three self-proclaimed chumps uh, talk about books. And we are currently reading through The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. We are on, this has been a point of... Not confusion, because every time I explain it, I think it's really clear. It's a point of contention. Every time I explain it, it's like it needs to be over-explained. And it, 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 like, really, like, we're fine. The audience understands what we're talking about here. We are on book two of The Fellowship of the Ring. We're talking about chapters eight and nine today. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Are we ever going to read a book where it's like, all right, we're on this chapter and that's it? It's not going to be like trying to explain we're we're in this book of the anthology and because we 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 got into so much confusion with Hitchhiker's Guide because he would just ramble on about the freaking which book it was in the series and then yeah the hop the hop was probably only one where we were just like yeah this is chapter yeah X and y. the only confusion is 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 that you know so we're on the second book but it's really one <laughs> book you know it's really one book but it's part of three books. Which, which presumably they all have two books within the book. So really, it's like six books. So really, we're on book two out of six. Um, I mean, sounds like an increasingly, an increasingly uh, incorrectly named trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, maybe this is where Douglas Adams got that idea from. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, well, we're on book two of book one out of book three, but also book six. I mean, six and out, also, out six. also book one because the Lord of the Rings itself isn't even really isn't isn't technically considered a trilogy because it was written to be one book. Yes. In the but first then place. also, if you add the Hobbit in there, it's kind of like book two. You know, it's like it's like kind of book two of the of the saga. So it's you know, I mean. There's a few different numbers you can you can apply to what we're reading. Right, 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 right. But again, like I think what we are discussing on the podcast today is relatively straightforward <laughs> and like the more you explain it, like the more confusing it seems. So like actually the less you say the it's, better. It's just you know? good to clarify. It's just good to clarify, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just to clarify, we're, we're on the the third and second to last chapters of the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, the 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 the, the second the, the, the <sighs> second book the the second book of Fellowship of the Ring, which is the first book of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Which okay, I, I, there's I think, two books I think per book, it. and I it was meant to be it. one book. So really, it's so really it's just one book. But um, right, but it's the second book of the first book. I think I think we got it. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah. No, the course. second book of the first book the of three book. books, yes. which in and of themselves constitute one book. Yes. Right. Yes. Correct. Okay. Correct. I mean, really, uh, actually, so, so, it's two books. It's two because if you count the Hobbit as one book, then the Lord of the Rings trilogy as <laughs> one book, then it's really just two books. So, like, we're on book right. we're on book two of book two, kind of. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know? All right, so I think the important thing is we are we are nearing the end of the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, like yeah. like Josh um, also kind of confusingly mentioned, 
So there's only one chapter that that we will not have discussed by the end of this book. There's only one episode left after this in which we will discuss the final chapter and then our thoughts on the book as a whole. So we are talking about the um, penultimate chapters. Penultimate, yeah. Correct. So, so Didn't you go we're, to school we're starting, for English. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm deeply in debt. I'm, I'm deeply, I'm deeply in debt for going to school for words and books that I didn't even read. So, you're making up for that now, aren't your you? Dreams, kids. Yeah, that's right. You know, look at me now. <laughs> hey, all that, all that money and time you spend paid off finally. You're now you're hosting a podcast. Yeah. I mean. In 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 some small way, it does kind of feel like, hey, you know, at least I do actually like books, you know. <laughs> so that that's cool. Yeah, true. Um. All right. So books within chapter books. eight. Oh actually, my god! Yes, actually, Josh. Before we get into that, we weren't able to finish our discussion of the last chapter mm. last time because we had a hard out. Yeah, is there a little bit more we want to say about that? I remember we ended on, um, I was mentioning that I thought that Frodo was testing Galadriel when he offered her the ring. And Josh was like, oh, that's interesting. I like that idea. And Connor was like, no, I don't think so. Is that where you want to continue from? Uh, Kind of. I actually had a note similar to that, but it was just me kind of expressing confusion on what was happening. Um, but I think you explained it really well. And... So that, if you want to go part, over it, though, I'm no, no, that you no, know, I think you you described it well enough where my notes kind of that particular note is out of uh, it, not really relevant anymore. Yeah, I did have a question about why elves seem to diminish anyway, but I think we went into the whole discussion of like what that diminishment meant. Um, the note I wanted to go on into was that Sam can't see uh, Nenya the ring. Yeah, true. I thought that was a really interesting piece of lore and. Does that mean that the ring exists in the, the Wraith space or the Elven space or whatever those were called? Oh, right. Like the Blessed Realm and the Wraith. That's what it was. Didn't we mention that last time? We, I, was, I, I mentioned Sam can't see the ring, but we didn't talk about it. So so um, you think cause, uh, because, you know, Frodo has, has his ring, he can only see it because it's part of the, the Wraith realm? I think so, yes. Yeah, that Hello, makes Katie. sense. You know, the only thing that's interesting about that, because it, it does, it feels initially like it makes sense, right? It's like, oh, Frodo can see Nenya because he's a ring bearer. Sam can't because he isn't. Like, okay, that adds up to me. But, I mean, everyone can see the one ring, and you would imagine that it's more powerful, which... But the ring isn't being, the one ring isn't being worn, and when it is being worn, the wearer is invisible. Oh. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. In some ways, it feels like it almost like defeats. It's like, oh, well, if you could see the one ring as a ring bearer, could you see it? And it's like, oh, still no, because you're invisible. <laughs> but um, no, that that is cool, though, Josh. Yeah. Hmm. I, uh, it does. Yeah. It kind of goes a long way, maybe, to saying like, um, 
you know, there's been a lot of talk of, oh, you know, what's the deal with the Rings of Power? How are they even lost for so long? This and that. Like, how do we not know who, like, wields them? If there's this bit of lore where it's like you can't even really see the ring, you know, maybe that, that answers it. But then, again, it's not that Sam doesn't see anything. Like, it, he says he thought that she was, like, wearing a star, which is like, yes. okay, that's... Yeah, he saw the effect. I feel like the rings c- can make themselves visible to people that, that are not, like, within, you know, the realm or attached to that power if they wanted to like you know because they kind of have like a will of their own like if they want someone to view them i think they can make that happen you know what i mean right yeah. and this is this is the ring nenya business so that makes sense <laughs> yeah. that no if it's not your business you can't see it exactly yeah you know just unless i don't did you have something you want to go off on that josh sorry nope that was actually my last note of the chapter we were so close to getting everything out last time no well because you got me thinking about it and i do think there was maybe another thing i wanted to touch on is just that um you know i got the impression that when galadriel is like oh you know sam you said you wanted to see some elf magic right well check this out and then like sam has like this traumatic experience and galadriel is just like oh well i told you so like i knew it might not be easy um (laughs) kind of feels like galadriel is taking the opportunity to like mock sam i felt like you know, like, it's fun for her. I, I think that, like, Galadriel as, like, this perfect, basically immortal being with, like, a ring of power, you know, I, I do think she kind of fancies herself a bit of, like, a goddess. And Sam is, like, playing with an ant, and that's, like, fun for her. Huh. And with Frodo, she's a bit like, oh, well, like, let's see what you can do. You know, you have the one ring. Like, you know, where do you fit in all of this? And um, she's a bit more intrigued about his visions, whereas I think she's very dismissive of Sam. She doesn't really care. And and ultimately, like, when we get to see Galadriel afterwards, it's not so cut and dry where she's just, you know, completely writes off, like, quote-unquote, lower beings. I think she does appreciate Sam. Sam gets the gift, you know, all that shit. Like, I'm not saying nothing about that, but, like, in this moment... We kind of get this Galadriel who I think is very power hungry and sort of is under the influence of the ring. And I, I felt like at the end of that chapter, she's very quick to kind of like like play around with Sam in a way that like to her is meaningless. And to Sam is like, he, you know, he's like, I'm having a dramatic event. Like he's literally being dramatized and Galadriel's like, ha ha, this is cool. You want to see elf magic, right? Um where we don't really get that dynamic with her and Frodo. So hmm. that that kind of tied back into what I was thinking about. Like, I think Frodo kind of sees, and again, like, m- maybe I'm reading into it. I don't know. But my interpretation of that was, like, Frodo is kind of privy to this and has also sort of, like, read her mind sort of in, like, the uh, Last Jedi kind of, like, there's like, there, you know, it's like you read someone's mind, they get to read yours too. Or, or I'm thinking of The Force Awakens, you know. Oh, yeah. Kylo Ren, you know, does the mind shit on Rey, and then Rey's like, you'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. And Kylo Ren is like, oh my god, you saw my deepest, darkest insecurity because <laughs> I read your mind, you know. I think there's a bit of that happening here too, where Frodo realizes Galadriel desires the ring to this extent. 
And that's why, like, he tries to get the upper hand by offering it to her because he knows she's going to ask for it anyways. Um, yeah. So that's it. I, I just wanted to throw all that out there because that's what I was trying to end on last time. If there's anything we want to add or comment on, cool. Otherwise, we'll get to Chapter 8. Yeah, let's just go to Chapter 8 because I think you just hit the nail on the head and you definitely explained what was going on there, uh, which I may have missed when I was reading and wrote my first note. So, Okay. I, I just want to... Because, Connor, last time when we were wrapping up, you were like, I don't think that's really it you know you felt like frodo wasn't uh i think the words you used were like a game player like that yeah no i i I still really don't um i think you're right about gladriel and uh and sam and playing with him a little bit and that that she knows that she uh really can't or doesn't have the power to do that with frodo but i still don't think that i just i don't feel like frodo has that agency yet but i mean I I could be wrong in misinterpreting it, but um, that's that's what I got. No, I hear you. I mean, I think that's totally fair because other than this moment, like we don't really have any other instances to point to where it's like, oh, the book is telling us that Frodo's doing this clever. I just feel like it would be signposted more. You know, I feel. I mean, I I don't think there's much in the text to to support him doing that purposefully but um again i could be wrong all right well it's just fun to talk about how how we interpret things you know i'm I'm certainly not trying to say that i'm right by any means like that that's kind of why i wanted to hear your side because i think it's cool to hear how we both read that same thing and it's like this is what i think this is what you think you know um so uh i um i i get that too because like Frodo wasn't really shown to be that way prior to this moment. So it's like, yeah, it, but, I, I, mean, I that's do think kinda, it's kind of up in the air. That's kind of why I feel like because he hasn't really shown signs of of being confident or clever in that way, I feel like maybe it would be more cl- like clear, you know? Like it would be clearly signposted that he is, you know, acting like that, but... I mean, you know, again, like Tolkien is kind of, can kind of be a more subtle writer. So, so you know, I feel like it's very possible that this is maybe the first instance of him really kind of picking up that mantle, maybe taking a page out of Gandalf's book a little bit. Um, so that's that's definitely possible. Mm. I think uh, it just, you know, we'll see how how he progresses, and uh, maybe I'll look back on this and be like, oh, you know, you you know, I think you were right. You know, he. Th- th- this is the first instance of him kind of taking that power and using it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting if, if as we look back on this moment in retrospect, it's like, oh, does that kind of change the way we see it? Yeah. But only time will tell. All right, so it sounds like we're good to start with our discussion of Chapter 8, Farewell to Lorien. Yes. Um, so... The company is um, going through the process of, like, preparing to leave. Obviously, they still have this tremendous quest ahead of them. And um, as, they, as they prepare to go on, they, they're trying to figure out if they're going to proceed directly into Mordor or take a slight detour into Minas Tirith. And 
there's a couple reasons for that. You know, I, some people just literally want to like not go straight into like the heart of darkness, and they're happy to have like a giant safe city full of people who like kill demons and shit. You know, like let's go there first and just chill out for a bit. Good point. <laughs> um, also, and then Boromir also just wants to go home. Right, Boromir has his own quest, which you know he's part of the company, but like he was never really. He's not here to take the One Ring to Mordor. His whole thing was just that he had a dream to interpret, and he figured it out, and now he gets to go home. So and now Frodo is yeah. looking at him a little bit sideways, but we can get into that later. We'll get back on. to that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they both are looking at each other a bit sideways, and it's like, what? Okay. Um, I, I will. Yeah. Sounds like we'll all want to talk more about that, but that's cool that that is sort of progressing. Um. And so this chapter, for the most part, is, yeah, the company sort of, like, getting their stuff together, preparing to leave. As they go, they get all these gifts um, from, from the elves in general, from Galadriel personally. Yep. And then they set out on their boats um, then they down the river. Else. Then they have dinner yeah. with the elves. Then they set off on their boats again. Then they right. They get they set off on their boats. Then they have dinner. Then they then they set off on their boats again. Um, so yeah, this this is mostly them. It's just a chapter where they leave this beautiful haven. They get a whole bunch of shit, uh, you know, and then they continue on. It, it, this is this is the pattern that happens every time they leave like a safe haven or particularly like an elf stronghold, you know, like leaving Rivendell is its own whole fucking thing too. Yep. So there wasn't as much singing this time though. No, the, no. the, the elves of Lorien don't seem to want to sing as much. Right. There was still some singing. Didn't Gladriel yes. sing a song in her, yep. in, in yep. Elvish or something? When, when they left, you're right. I totally yeah. forgot about that. She did. Yep. So yeah. Um, yep. Sounds like we have a few things we might want to start with. Josh, is there a place you want to get um, us going? Is that the first one in the chapter? Why don't we just go to... Uh... Sorry, I thought I heard something. Um, why don't we just go to Frodo and Boromir? Um, sure, let's do it. Because my first note is on the... It's like the third or fourth page of the chapter. Frodo caught something new and strange in Boromir's glance, uh, and he looked hard at him. Plainly, Boromir's thoughts were different from his final words. Uh, so my question is, did Frodo pick up on Boromir's de uh, deception with his words uh, by his enhanced senses from the ring, or uh, the is the ring just making him more paranoid at this point? Hmm. That's a good we know question. From, we know from Gollum that, and, and from Bilbo that uh, the the ring can make one very paranoid. Yeah, I do have some thoughts on that. Do you want to start, Connor? What do you think? Um, I I, I mean, th there's been a few moments throughout the book where uh, Boromir, you know, he he's and I I think it's even st restated in this chapter, but that that he's disagreed with the group about things and then been kind of outvoted and begrudgingly went along with them, you know? Um, mm -hmm. 
so that's kind of been building up a little bit. Um, and I feel like it, it, it just leads me to think that like he's, he's not really to be trusted entirely. And Frodo is picking up on that now, but the, you know, what Josh said about the ring making him paranoid is that I had not even considered that. That's a great possibility. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not totally sure, but, uh, yeah, well, I, I just thought of this, uh, a point against him being paranoid is he's only thinking about Boromir this way. He's not being paranoid against, about the other members of the fellowship. So maybe it is just enhanced senses, but it could just, uh, who knows how the ring really works. It could just be like, Hey, focus on this guy for a bit. Yeah. Um, there's a reason to be paranoid about him. I do think there's a couple other specific things that like point to it is specifically Boromir that that has Frodo worried. Um, I mean, because late, later in the second the second chapter we read, there's a whole lot more of Boromir just like yeah. trying to get close to him and always seems to be eyeing Frodo from across the river. Right. Yeah. Like I don't know if I'm conflating the next chapter with this chapter, so. I, I won't I won't lay it all out there because it sounds like a little more to talk about, but um, but yeah, I it, it, Boromir does seem to be the focus for sure. Um, but it is a cool like thing to think about. It's like oh, like could Frodo just be paranoid? Even if it is just one person you're paranoid about, it doesn't mean you're not paranoid, right? So, um, I, I think the impression that is generally given to readers is right. Like, don't trust Boromir. But it's cool to think about the other side of it. And it's like, oh, well, what if it's the ring and you're not thinking through it all the way? Yeah. And, and like we're, you know, we, we kind of see most things through Frodo's lens a little bit. So, yeah. So that would make yep. sense if, if we're if, if we're led to be paranoid, too. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I guess we'll only get an answer as we continue to read because there still hasn't been any, like nothing's come to a head on this. You know, it's like, oh, well, seems like Boromir keeps eyeing the ring, you know, and Frodo is like very wary and hesitant around Boromir, but like still nothing's come of it. So a lot of it is speculation, but we do get more of that like bubbling up to the surface as we as we continue to read. Yeah. Um, all that being said, I do continue to like Boromir, largely just because, you know, I like that he's kind of the asshole of the group. Because, like, he isn't... I don't think he's either... Like, he's not really wrong about anything either. Like, he has a reason for everything that he says. He just comes to all these different conclusions than everyone else. So, like, I think it's cool to have a character who's at odds with the rest of the group, and it's not because he's trying to you know, like, hinder them or slow them down. He just, like, truly believes the thing that's best is another way. And so he kind of comes off as this obstacle or this obstruction for the rest of the group because they seem to have, like, a common idea of how to progress. But it doesn't mean that Boromir himself is, um, you know, is bad or obtrusive. Yeah. You know, he just believes that the right thing to do is something else he's just a curmudgeon yeah, he's interesting. yeah. and yeah <laughs> i mean 
I think it's interesting because a lot of stories, you know, they have the villains and they have the the heroes, you know, and but in any group of like four or five guys, you know, there's going to be one, there's going to be one guy that's that's like, you know, has different ideas and and, and wants to push push the group in in a different and just annoys everybody else about it. like so. I think it's pretty realistic, Boromir. Like yeah. like we all know. Boromir, we you know we've all right, we, we all we all yeah, know yeah. Boromir, yeah. yeah. We've all been Boromir, probably. So, yeah, <laughs> that's true too. Some more than others, you know. But oh, definitely yeah. some more than others for sure. I mean, I mean, you know, sure, just, some just, more than others. Just, just talking about this group here, some more than others. Yeah, Let I, me I, say, I could not yep. agree more. There's some people. Let that, me say, <laughs> yes. some more than others Absolutely. have been Boromir. Yeah, we all, so we all know who we, we're referring I'm to. I'm sure we all we all know who <laughs> we it all is. Know. Yep. <laughs> We there's no disagreements about that. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. And and even just the whole thing. I mean, like this this chapter. There's kind of that like looming cloud. Uh oh. Oh no! Did he freeze? Yep. I I still hear you. So All right. I, I was hoping it wasn't me. Um. All right. Well, we'll give him a. Second, Josh, do you have anything you want to uh, add about Boromir while he recovers? Uh, not really. I think you guys covered Boromir pretty well. He's just like the group asshole. So yeah, yeah. But like, it, he's the dissenting voice. Was the what else we're just going to use? And Connor just called him an asshole. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're right. That that's a bit more of a, uh, uh you know, um, it's, it's a, a, a nicer way to phrase it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, here let's let's pause so we can we can fix uh, Connor's connection, and we'll be right back. Okay. All right. I know that kind of cut out a little bit, so I don't know if I'm going to repeat myself here. But what I was trying to say about Boromir is that um, there's this idea that the the quest is potentially splitting into two directions. Some people are saying we need to go directly to Mordor to destroy the Ring, and uh, Boromir in particular, but not just him, are saying we should go to Minas Tirith, Minas Tirith first. Um, and as I was reading, I was like, well, you know, doesn't that sound crazy? Because I thought the most important thing was the destruction of the One Ring. Like, shouldn't that be, like, the highest priority? And yet, you have Boromir and others within the, the company saying, like, yeah, maybe we go to Minas Tirith first. And um, I guess I kind of, at first I felt like sort of frustrated because I was like, how could you say that like both of these two options are comparable? Like, how is it not that we just go to destroy the One Ring? But it feels like their argument is more like, well, Minas Tirith is a lot closer to Mordor. And, you know, there's like a ton of warriors there and whatever. And it's like, you know maybe at that point you sort of use it as like a stronghold to like recuperate before you actually go straight into the belly of the beast. You know, I don't think that's exactly what Boromir is getting at. Cause he has his own agenda, yeah, his own thing, but that, like, it, it's not, it's not all bad, you know, that, that, that makes me think though. Cause didn't he like, didn't he imply not destroying the ring for like half a second? And, and then Frodo was like, wait, what? And he's like, Oh no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, wait, which is that's definitely what he meant, though. And then he's like, he's but like, oh wait, if? no, 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 I can't. Like, that's not gonna fly. Yeah, okay. that's that's true. There's this part he says, like, oh, it would be folly to destroy 
And then he like trails off and Frodo's like, did anyone else hear that? Yeah. <laughs> like no one else comments on it. Yeah, and then he's like, oh no, I mean like destroy ourselves, like let it like like you know Yes die. Yes. Yeah. Like so so that that really made me like you know, give him a side eye. That's when I gave him a side eye. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. It does and I like that happens I think also for the first time at the Council of Elrond when everyone's there and Boromir's like, Why don't we just use the ring? Like couldn't yeah. we use the ring to destroy Sauron? Yep. And everyone else there is like, Oh, that's a bad idea because you would kind of just become Sauron, which doesn't really solve the problem at all. And Boromir's like, Oh well fuck you guys, okay, you know. And it feels like he's not really over that. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It is interesting. But, you know, just since we're talking about it, it, it does feel like a little bit, going back to the Galadriel point, where it's like, oh, you know, so Frodo's been trying to, like, give his ring away because he doesn't want the burden, you know, and then, you know, I was saying when he tries to give it to Galadriel, he doesn't really mean it because he actually doesn't want to give the ring away. He really wants it. If he did truly want to give the ring away, wouldn't Boromir be like a prime candidate? You know, I, I mean, if, I just if that's what he wanted. Yeah, but I, I don't think he trusts Boromir enough. And I don't think Boromir is is power. Like, like he's not like right. You know what I mean? Like. He, yeah. he he doesn't have the power or the the heart that Gladriel or Gandalf have. You know, and, and I think Frodo knows that maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true too. So, I'm with it. Um I I'm sure we have more notes. Is there anything in general that you wanted to to share or talk about in this chapter before we kind of get into more of the specifics, Connor? Um nothing I can think of right now um just just i mean this this chapter was i mean it's it's just an exit that is just like way over you know just just like overdone everything's overdone it's just a million yeah. goodbyes and and like you yeah. said that this this is par for the course for this book which is fine you know and there's interesting moments too but um but yeah it's just like a lot of like all right let's just fucking move on please you know yeah yeah yeah, that, you hit the nail on the head there. But it wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I've had enough of this. Yeah. But it's good. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll echo that, too, because like you said, like, there are interesting things that happen, and certainly we're going to talk about the specifics here, but, like, but like the, the overall picture of what happens in this chapter, it's like, you know... You're trying to head out the door at, like, a family gathering or whatever, but you got to make sure you <laughs> say goodbye to every single yes. fucking person, you know? And it's yes. like, holy shit, like, yeah. I got a fucking three-hour drive after this, man. Uh, like, I want to go. Like, I'm a big fan of I'm Irish goodbyes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are pretty Irish, so very, that adds yeah. up. So I, I, I can pull it off, and you can't get yeah. mad at me. That's right. If only I had red hair. I think it's the only thing uh -huh. holding me back. Yep, it's true. Damn, even Josh has some red in his beard, you know. I he just, does. Josh I just could dodge that. Josh could pull yeah. it off. I recently found out that it comes from my grandfather on the on the Jewish side of my family, not my not Wow. My yeah. Like I could have fucking sworn family. that was your dad for sure. I thought so too. That's what I said. Then I went visit my grandparents a couple weeks ago and they said I that my grandfather had the same thing when he was my age. So oh. or a little little older. It could but, be yes. could be both, you know, could be both. Oh, very much could be. 
but the more I hear it, the more I'm just like my grandfather again. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. All right, Josh. Uh, anything else on your list you want to go to next? Oh, boy. I was there. Um, how about one of the, the dumb notes? Um, when they are given the Lembus. Lembus? Uh, I would say Lembus, but yeah. Lembus, yeah. Uh, do, 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 uh, Gimli's comparing it to the honey cakes of the Bjornings. Uh, and that is great praise, for the Bjornings are the best bakers I know of. And when I read that, I just had like a hard cut in my brain back to Bjorn, the giant bear creature, barreling, like uh, rampaging through the Battle of the Five Armies. <laughs> just like, yeah. yes, bakers. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what they're known for. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, so remember when, when the sword was just reforged in like a sentence? Yeah. Now, uh, uh, fucking Legolas and Gimli are best friends. Yes. Yeah. That's that. that yes. Yes. That surprised I me. I love like, that. I thought we were just we were going to see that build and build, but no, it's just like, oh yeah, and then then they were friends. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think that's like, I don't know. That's perfect because like, the, I, I mean, it's it, it's just like a very very funny thing. It's like a buddy comedy kind of thing where where <laughs> you know oh, we're 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 these two guys that hate each other and we're from different races that that you know were prejudiced against each other and then and then they 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 learned to you know set aside their differences and yep. now they're best buddies and you know i thought that was funny how, how i forget if it was this chapter or last chapter but um they they uh, mentioned like yeah and 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 like gimli and legolas just spent the entire time just like walking through the you know fields together or something like they, they, right. like they just like hung out together the entire time <laughs> like yeah no, I, I agree. That was last chapter, and if we didn't bring it up, I think I meant to mention it too because, like, it's like, oh yeah, we kind of see. I, it's funny because I was actually going to be like, oh, this is like a cool way to show like how they're organically building their friendship over time, and then like Josh is saying, this chapter is like, nah, they're best friends now, and it's like, oh well, it's just I felt like we got both of it. It's like we got show and tell. They always say show, don't tell, and we got like both. You know, it's like they kind yeah. of. Tolkien kind of builds this up, and then in this chapter, he's just like, okay, that's enough. They're best friends. We did it. And it's, like Josh is saying, like, you kind of expect it to take longer, um, but yeah. it does feel kind of immediate, given, I think, maybe the way we're used to seeing it portrayed as well, like, through the movies and stuff. Um, I do think there's a bit of a precedent for that, because, like, so much of this chapter, you know, this chapter, the previous chapter, kind of revolves around Gimli being accepted by the or by the elves. Um, you know, Galadriel's a big advocate for him, and she kind of like pushes on the others. You know, like, oh, this is this is why, like, he's you know, Gimli's all right. Even when they do the whole gift giving ceremony. Gimli just asks for her hair. <laughs> which, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> it's that, weird. fucking weird. That was it so is weird, but at the same insane. time, when I was reading it, I it clicked to me why this particular thing is just like so well remembered. Yeah. Like I, I like I get it now. It's like, yeah, Gimli's like a complete uh gentleman about it, and Gladwell just pushes him to be like, hey, what do you want? Yeah. And but it's also like a little creepy she's just asking for the hair. 
It, it is. It's it, it's definitely framed more like Gimli's, you know, like he's like the the gruff, you know, almost like the barbarian archetype of the group. But like he has a bleeding heart, you know, like he's kind of a hopeless yeah. romantic. So it, you get like that dichotomy. It's kind of funny. Um, but but like even so, like when he asks for the hair, Galadriel is like, ah, you know, let it not be said that. You know, dwarves don't appreciate our favor. And also, even though it's pretty fucking weird that he asked for my hair, I did make him say it. So let's just take a note of that, you know? Yeah. So Galadriel does a lot of, like, groundwork for being like, okay, like, we're, we're kind of trying to, like, mend fences between the dwarves and the elves. And I think, like, Legolas picks up on that, and he's like, okay, like, you know, let's let's roll with it. You know, like he's he's kind of encouraged to do so, and then they find out that they become fast friends. Yeah, I, I, I think is is kind of the idea. That's exactly why he let his guard down, and I mean, it's it's very much informed by by Gladriel's acceptance of Gimli. Yeah. So. So I guess all I mean is like I I, I see both parts of that too. It's like it it's like. Does it come out of nowhere? Not necessarily because of these things, but, like, also, it does feel that way because, like you're saying, Josh, there's literally just a sentence in the middle of the paragraph that's, like, they're, it literally is, like, they are best friends now, period. And it's, like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that happened. We'll see if that changes or not, but but it does happen. <laughs> um... What else? Let's see. Uh, when they're talking, before they start giving the gifts, they're still talking at dinner. Um, crap, what was the exact thing about? Sorry, trying to figure out what was, what was said here. Um, and who was saying it? I think Aragorn or Boromir. What's the line? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to find the exact line, but they, they basically compare something as a, they dismiss it as a wives' tale. Oh, right. And then, um, and then Cel Celeborn is, is saying like, well, Hey, sometimes old wives' tales are just like lore, like, like actual, like wisdom and lore. So don't, don't discount them out of hand. It's just like, yeah. Hey, sometimes old wives' tales are complete bullshit. Yeah. I think it's Boromir who's, who's quick to discount it. Because, like most things, he's like, oh, well, the men of Gondor have never seen such things, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I thought that was an interesting line. He says something like, um, he's like, sometimes it's like the wives who who remember the old ways, or I don't know exactly how he words it, but yeah, he's like, you know... Don't be so quick to discredit old ladies because they might yeah. be the one who actually know more shit than you do. <laughs> Shut up, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> the line is, but do not despise the lore that has come down from distant years, for oft it may chance that old wives keep in memory words of things that once were needful for the wise to know. There we have it. But there is the, the uh, it may chance. So it, it, it still is just maybe. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, and then during the the gift giving ceremony, 
Um, hang on, I'm just making sure. I think this is my last note for the chapter because we already talked about Gimli and the hair. Um, Aragorn's gift is a ring. I, I, I think I understood this right. He has he has a new he has a, another name. He does uh, get another name. Elisar the the elf stone of the house of Elendil. Uh, and then he gets he gets a ring that belongs to uh, uh, Galadriel's granddaughter. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to split hairs here. Pardon the pun, but I think it's a brooch. I don't think he's given a ring. I, I okay. normally I wouldn't, but I just feel like it's important to think about in the story about like rings of power. I don't think that Fair. Aragorn's given a ring. I think it's like a brooch or a pin or something that has yeah. like a gemstone in it. Uh, yeah, uh, pinned the brooch upon his breast. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just like it's this heirloom jewelry that belongs to her granddaughter. Um, that she's giving. The, as she's giving a, a, a human. Yeah. It's just a little weird, but uh, we get a name for her granddaughter, which is Arwen, which is a name that I recognize from the movies. Uh-huh. Um, so it's been a while since a name popped up and it's like, I know that. Yep. I think the last time was when they finally name dropped a Nazgul. Yeah, they have mentioned her name before. I think that might have also been during the Council of Elrond. We got a lot of names then. Oh, did they mention her then? Okay, I must have missed that. Uh, uh, well, you could be right. I mean, I don't really remember exactly. But suffice to say, they have said her name before, and she is a character that, like, matters at some point. So, Probably yeah, not this book, there's though. that. Um, and then uh, we start getting a lot of descriptions uh, of Aragorn uh, using the description uh, Kingly. Hmm. Right. So my note here is just like kingly, eh? And then it continues in the next chapter. So mm. and that's the extent of my notes in this this particular chapter. I thought all the the gifts were pretty cool and and thoughtful. Uh, Sam got like magic dirt. Uh, <laughs> uh, Boromir got, or Aragorn got the a whole bunch of shit. He got like the sheath for his sword and right the the, the brooch. Where'd this go? I just had it open. Hey, you guys see that uh, at McDonald's? It's it's Grimace's birthday, so so they they um have a new shake that's it's called Grimace Grimace's Cum Milkshake, and it's purple. Why, why are you interjecting <laughs> this? I just it's, wanted to see if you guys. It's, if you guys it's not it's not called Grimace's Cum. Oh, it's not. No. Oh, okay. I thought it was. It just that's what it looked like to me. So I thought that's what it was called. I don't think that's what they call it. I think it's I just think, like I don't think I get past marketing. I I did I did see someone. Uh, I'm sad to say I saw someone tweet saying that uh, they went to order the new Grimace shake, and when they asked what flavor it is, they said the employee responded Grimace flavored. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I mean, we all know it is Grimace's come, but you just can't <laughs> say it, I guess, right? <laughs> some things are you know taboo for a reason like you, I mean, sure you look you at it Grimace's cum, but yeah. you can't say it no you can't say it i mean but you look at it and you're like i know what that is 
Yeah. I know what that is. But but I mean to like Josh's point, it's like why um why did you feel the need? This has nothing to do with what we're talking about, so I'm just not sure why you felt like now's the time. Oh to well, because you were talking we were talking about gifts and stuff, and so I thought that was a kind of a gift that that Grimace is giving to the world in a way. <laughs> So, okay, anyways, we can move on, but that's just... Yeah, no, let's... Yeah. Uh, Please, I thought it was relevant. Let's, let's do that. Since we're talking about the gifts, um, I, there was one thing I wanted to mention about Gimli getting Galadriel's hair, and it's not just that it's a little weird. Um, she says something like, oh, along with... Um, along with the hair, like, I have a few words to say, and she says something like... Um, the gold shall hold no dominion over you. It's it's like, oh, like, she's like, I can't really foretell things, but, you know, may it be that you have a shit ton of gold in the future, but also gold will have no dominion over you. I thought it was interesting to remark about Gimli specifically because, like, we know from reading The Hobbit that dwarves are particularly susceptible to, like, dragon sickness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the like greed. Yeah, dragon sickness. Yeah. Sure, but I mean, like literally, just like you know, um, just being greedy. Like that's just like a part of their like. Their, it, it's like a trait of uh, of their people, you know. And I don't really care to <laughs> read any more into that, but. Um, but I thought it was interesting. It's like, wow, if Galadriel really has the ability to, like, bestow that will on someone else, like, that's pretty... That could be useful for Gimli in particular. Like, that would have helped Thorin out, you know? So Yeah. Hey, Frodo, your, your dominion... The, the ring shall weigh heavy on you, but it won't have any dominion over you. <laughs> right? Come on. You couldn't have just said a little bit more? Exactly. Um... There's a, just a handful of things I want to cover before we go into the next chapter. Yeah, go for it. Um, so you mentioned Aragorn getting another name, which I thought was hilarious. We've already talked about how many names Aragorn has. Yeah, it's Aragorn Strider, the one in... Uh, 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 I'm blanking on the name. Rivendell. Yeah, uh, it was, I think I it's like the Dane or something. It was yeah. something like that. Yeah, and then right now, and now Elisar. Um, and I, I thought it was even a little more interesting. So, on for my copy, it was the bottom of page 384. It's like a hundred pages ahead of you now. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know our page numbers are wildly off, but just for the sake of throwing it the out next there, next series case. we do, we got to get the same like edition of the book. I don't know, I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> But anyways, um, so it says, uh, for he believed that the message of the dreams was a summons and that the hour had come at last when the heir of Elendil should come forth and strive with Sauron for the mastery. Uh, I, I think I had like previously mentioned that I was confused about this name Elendil. I was like, what's the deal with Elendil? But it's just a Sealdor's last name. And this was the chapter that made me realize that for the first time. Oh, didn't we think that that uh, was a, the name of, of a place? Or was it uh, a different name? Well, I don't... The, I guess the point is, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we talked about it before. 
And I just wanted to mention, like, it's not very important, but I'm realizing that I think the, like, it says the heir of Elendil, and we know he's part of the line of a Sealdor. That's kind of his whole deal. I think I think Elendil is just the Sealdor's last name, and so he's just called a whole bunch of things. But we weren't sure about Elendil completely. Yeah, that that tracks. So uh, it's a very minor thing in the grand scope of things; like it really doesn't matter. But I think every time you see Elendil, you should be thinking, "Oh, a Sealdor. Those are the same." So there's that. Um. Let's see. Oh, I really liked this description of the elves on page 389. This is when they're having they're having that dinner uh, together, that feast um, on like the island or whatever before they fully set out. And like everyone's eating, and then there's this small passage where it's like Frodo couldn't even eat because all he could do was stare at Galadriel. And we get this passage that says. Um, um, she seemed no longer perilous or terrible, nor filled with hidden power. Already she seemed to him, as by men of later days, elves still at times are seen, present and yet remote, a living vision of that which has already been left far behind by the flowing streams of time. Yes, and when I was reading that, I was connecting it back to my thoughts on what diminishment meant when she uh, refused to take the ring. Um, and how it seemed to like, oh boy, how in my mind, it seemed like she went from like a tall, noble woman to something more mundane, yeah, the, the word. And then it it was also making me think of what we were talking about is like uh, last podcast about how the the elves are both like always in the moment, but also timeless, right where they always seem to have no concept of what time it is because that everything is either yesterday or like tomorrow or it was a thousand years ago but yeah. they still remember it so it, was, it 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 i i think there was some physical change in galadriel when she refused the ring and frodo's now just taking that in yeah you know in in the previous chapter, I was thinking it was more ambiguous or metaphorical, but like a passage like this does kind of make me think, you know, just like how how we kind of realized when someone's named Elf Friend, it's not that just like they're a friend of the elves. Like literally, something about them is made to be different so other elves can recognize that they have been named as such. Like there is a change that happens. And so I think you're right, Josh. Yeah. That Galadriel does go through some sort of change. It's interesting to use the word diminishment because, um, like, Frodo kind of acknowledges that, like, they were scared of her, you know? Like, she was literally, like, a, like something to be feared because she had this, like, lust for the ring. And then when she denies that and rejects it, it's like literally that part of her isn't within her anymore. Like she, she's like able to fully expel that like desire f from herself. Like she separated a part of like her being away from her somehow. 
and now she's different for it. Hmm. The, the, I, I mean, I don't mean that literally, but but it does kind of it does kind of feel that way the way it's written about. So she definitely has gone through a change from denying the ring, like regardless of if that is literal or metaphorical metaphorical isn't entirely important because the big thing is that like something has changed about Galadriel because she made that decision and Frodo can see that too. Um, but yeah, yeah, I like that passage more for the idea just of like, um, it was just a really cool description of the elves, just like you were saying too, Josh. And in the next chapter, you probably have a note on this, but we even get a little bit more about how time flows differently even in different places. I don't like, know if I took a note on it, but I did I did I did acknowledge it in my head. Yeah. So like even even in Lothlorien itself, it's like, you know, time literally flows differently. Not it's not even just perceived differently from by the elves. Like time itself is different there. It's a little timey wimey. So <laughs> Oh yeah. Which I think we were even speculating on. Anyways. So I don't know. It's all there. In, in one way or another. Um, and... Oh, there's only there's only two more things. Okay, I'll do this quick, and then okay. we'll, we'll go on to the next one. So, um, when, when Galadriel sings that song, I know that, like, it's, it's all in this really old Elvish. But then, you know, the following paragraph kind of explain it, it translates the song... Yep, I was grateful for that. Yeah. And then the last line, it says, Varda is the name of that lady whom the elves in these lands of exile name Elbereth. Elbereth is another name that we've heard before. And it was used specifically, Frodo says it like, un, not unwillingly, but like, not unconsciously. When uh, he's stabbed by the the Nazgul, he oh. he says something like "Oh, Elbereth," and that like causes the Nazguls to withdraw. Um, I only bring that up because we've heard the name Elbereth a couple times, and I think it's like God. I don't think it's even like a person. I think it's like if you were like, oh, Jesus Christ. I think that's what Elbereth is in Middle Earth. Hmm. Like part of their like religious mythology. Not even really a person. Like could have been a person. But I think it has to do with like their belief system. I think Elbereth is like a god. That's possible. I honestly completely forgot we had seen the name before, but that's a good point. I'm looking to see if I can find that line. Part of the reason I'm thinking that, too, I forget. I may have taken a name or a note down, but I I think um, Legolas, it says, like, he, he swears in, like, Elvish or something, and he says something about Elbereth again, I think. And that's what really, like, clued me in. I'm like, oh, I think that's just, like, you know... I think it's akin to how we would uh, curse or take the Lord's name in vain or however, however you want to say it. Yep. Um, By Elbereth and Luth Luthien the Fair. It's at the end yeah. of the first book. 
like literally the last page before book two. Gotcha. Yeah. So, anyways, um, not really a lot to say there. Just that I think it's interesting that it crops up. Here's the last thing I want to mention. So, as the company's deciding um, to progress either directly to Mordor or go to Minas Tirith, this kind of caused me to look at my world map again of Middle-earth. I've been looking at that so much. Yeah. And part of what I have been thinking about and realizing is like, isn't it funny that the first... Oh, yours folds out? Oh, yeah. I have this huge, huge map that comes out of my... I have shown you this at the beginning of our reading, but it's been I completely a while. forgot. I completely forgot yeah. about that. Mine split into quadrants over each page. Yeah. And in fact, one of my notes in chapter two... That we, that's not, sorry, the chapter nine, the second chapter we read, is that we're still in the first like quadrant of the ma- of the big map. Right. Well, part of what I think is funny is like, you know, going from the Shire to Rivendell is maybe like just over half of the entire book, and you look at yes. that distance, and it's not very much at all. And then they go. From Rivendell to Lorien, right to to Lorien, and you're like, oh wow, that's like a huge distance that happens in a much shorter span, uh, page-wise. Yes, because I mean, it's it, it on my page, the distance between the Shire and Rivendell, or Hobbit Town and Rivendell, is much further than the direct line between Rivendell and Lorien, but they went a much more uh, circuitous route. Um, they uh, they went through the mountains. A lot more happened, and it took them longer. Uh, yeah. Time-wise. And then they go almost that same distance again in this chapter. Right, because then going from Lorien the river. down the river, right, which it happens so fast. So my point isn't even like, oh, well, this doesn't add up. Like, it's not that it doesn't make sense. I think it all makes perfect sense. I just think it's funny to think about how much page length has been dedicated to like one certain chunk of distance versus how quickly they immediately surpassed or exceeded that same distance in when we're talking about page length, a much, much shorter amount of time. Uh, So it's it's funny to like weigh those those different uh, travel times like as a reader. Because, um, yeah, sometimes Tolkien's just like, yeah, not a lot happened, and now they're here. And it's like, wow, okay, wasn't expecting that. Yep. So that was it. That, that, that was the last thing I wanted to mention that this that, chapter made me think of. Well, that's a, that's a good segue into the next chapter, because it's literally my first note on the second chapter. It's like, we're still in the first, like, upper left quadrant of the big map. Up, in, up until, uh, like, I, I take that note at... Uh, um, I think they're still above the shit. What, what's the note, the spot that made me think of it? Um, they, they were looking for where another river met Anduin. Hmm. Um, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It, it's literally like the third page of the chapter. It's like holy shit, we're 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 ninety percent ninety five percent of the way through this book, and we're still on this one part of the map that just like how are we? 
I guess. Okay, I'm looking at like the whole map now. Yeah. Because I have like a zoomed out map, and then there's like the zoomed in parts that I imagine have the same detail as yours. Yeah. Technically, once they cross the Delorean, they're in the second quadrant. But when you actually look at the zoomed in cages, they kind of, they all overlap a little bit. So the first map on mine uh, has the Anduin up to about where the Wold is. So it go until they get to the those bends in the river under the field, the celibate and the limelight. That's that's we're still on the same like page of on my map. It's I see. Like, and it's it's saying that it's that's like the whole book takes place in this. I I know my lights can't see it, but like. Eh. Hey guys, focus. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you want to take a, a quick two so I can go take a number one, or do you want to keep talking about maps while I just go pee? Um. Well, it's just at the end of my point. It's just we're on the same map. So, yeah, if we want to take a two-minute break, that's fine. All right. A tight yeah. two. All right, cool. All right. Ah. All right. So, um, we're on Chapter 9, The Great River. What are you drinking tonight, Connor? This <laughs> is, um, this is uh, from Six Point Brewery. This is a stupor, a Ooh, hazy okay. IPA. It's going to put you into a stupor, huh? Yep. Yeah, that's yep. what it does. That's what yep. it does. Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. I like this brand. Um, how about you? You got your camera oh. turned off, so I don't know how many sodas you're drinking tonight. I'm kicking back with some Mountain Dew Zero Sugar, baby. Oh, nice. Yep. Nice. I'm on number two. Of how many? I mean, TBD depends on how, you know, depends on many factors. So you don't have, like, anything waiting in the wings, though? You don't have, like, another, like, a Dr. Pepper asshole blast or anything like that? No, I mean, no, I, I, I've got a couple more dues here by my side just in case. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, so like you said, you know, it's, who, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who, knows? who the heck knows? And uh, Josh, you have your blended Scotch whiskey. Uh, no, I have ice water. As always. Oh, are you a tap water drinker, just straight from the tap, or? Uh, no, I have a filter that I keep in my fridge. So, it's always cold, and since I, I my water bottle is like a thermos. Yeah. Just not name brand. Um, then it, it's it can stay cold. Like all night, it's awesome. You can or even in like you a can hot actually car. get tap water. You can make tap water cold by um, you just turn the knob. The you know the it's the colder than tap knob cold. to the cold side. You just switch it over. The, like one side will do cold, the other side will do hot, and so you can get yes, it. You can get the tap water cold like that. Yes, but it's not as cold as the the inside of the refrigerator, which is at like thirty four degrees Fahrenheit. So. Well, so my thing is, so you you have your water in the fridge already, and then on top of that, you put ice in it? No, I did not put ice in it. I said ice water because it's, like, almost ice cold. Oh, okay, gotcha. But you like your water quite cold? Yes. I don't. I like to drink basically room temperature to just a little bit cooler than that. I mean, I'll... Water. I I don't mind room you. temperature. It's just I prefer colder. And but I, if it's I, too I, cold, I it's like uncomfortable gala. to drink. Sometimes, yes. But that usually just means like I 
haven't like brushed my teeth enough recently or something like that. Like my teeth are just sensitive at that point. That's fair. Um, I, I have horrible rotting teeth, so <laughs> I, I'm not at that point. But it's like okay, so I need to like desensitize a little bit. But uh, dan 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 dan. I don't know what that was a reference to. That's it. <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, no, I, I also chew a lot of mint gum, so it's like extra cold sometimes. Yeah. But in the middle of the night, ice, like really cold water, if I wake up in the middle of the night, just need a drink, it is so good. Or like early in the morning, if I'm just like dehydrated, it's great. Where do you fall on the whole water spectrum there, Connor? <laughs> no, I'm... <laughs> I'm with you. I'm a big fan of tap water. It depends on the the town or you know the city that you're in. Uh, they've got different f- flavors, some better than others. But um, yeah, what you know, with, with the whole filter in the fridge and the ice, it, it gets too cold for me. It does, and um, so so yeah, I just just a little bit cooler than room temperature is is awesome for me. I'm I'm right. uh, you know as I say, I am a nice guy, but I'm not an ice guy. Mm, not, they do say that. You know, I I that. don't love ice in my drinks, so I'm a, I'm a nice guy, but not an ice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been times like going out to restaurants or whatever. Like I'll request no ice because they put in like fucking sixty percent of that glass is ice. It's all fucking yeah. ice. Yeah, I hate that because I drink so much water at a restaurant. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go through two or three classes, so three yeah. or four, if they put a ton of ice in. To to make matters worse, ice machines, ice buckets at restaurants are the dirtiest part of a restaurant. Being a restaurant, a former restaurant worker, um, they never point. clean those things. They're fucking disgusting. That's they're point. they're really yeah. Uh, it's it's like a an industry wide dirty secret. Literally, damn. Yeah, didn't know that. Well, all right. I mean, speaking of water, let's talk about the Great River. Yes. Perfect segue. Let's get back to this. Because so, an hour. <laughs> so this chapter, um, that's okay. I don't, I mean, famous last words, but I don't think we'll need an hour to discuss this because this chapter is basically, they go down the river. One hour later. And there are several cool or interesting things that happen as they journey down the river and the revelation or two yes uh but you know essentially they make it from lorian to um it's called like rauros or you know there before they leave lorian uh celeborn or whatever his name is he's like oh well you don't have to decide if you're going to minas tirith or mordor yet but there is an island that marks the point at which case you'll be forced to choose. And everyone's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll wait until then. And then the chapter ends when they make it to that point, just before they have to make the decision of how their quest will go. So so this chapter is, is the transition from leaving Lorien to making it to the point where they have to decide if they go to Minas Tirith or Mordor. And then what they encounter and what happens along the way. Yep, they reach. I think they reached Emin Muil. Yeah, right. There's a lot of names, that, but I, I remember that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Raros has a couple of waterfalls, and they're not quite there yet. Hmm. 
or like they had to paddle to get away from them. So they're, I think they're in this big lake thing that that's in the map. Yeah, yeah, they are in a lake. So Connor, yes. What did you make of this chapter? Um, yeah, it was fine. I I don't know. It was a you know I the the journey chapters are are really iffy for me as I have said a few times already. Um. I mean, this is okay, you know, they're just kind of like sleepy boys on the river, you know, traveling the river, and then and then obviously you get Gollum on a log, right? <laughs> like obviously. That's the, that's the big thing. Um, they, they kind of uh, realize that, or Frodo and Sam realize, oh, I think, I think Gollum's following us, and then, of course, Aragorn's like, yeah, I know, I've... I, I've you know, been tracking him, I tried to get him, but he's, you know, he's, he's a crafty little fucker. Yeah. So does does everyone know about Gollum at this point, or and just not talking to each other about it? <laughs> Probably. Right. And Ghibli Legolas is like, hey, hey, there's that there's that little like weird little creature thing that's been following us. Guess we won't tell anybody about it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was funny. I thought the same thing. Where it's like. Um, you know, the whole time you kind of expect, like, oh, Frodo should have told someone, but, like, yeah, it turns out, you know, we don't know if everyone knows, but it's hilarious that Aragorn's just like, oh, you mean Gollum? Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, first Sam's like, yeah, Mr. Frodo, I think I just saw, like, a, something, and I I think it might be Gollum. And, and Frodo's just like, yeah, I had that feeling, too. I didn't, I guess you spotted him at, at some point, and then Aragorn's like, oh, you're talking about Gollum? Yeah, I've been trying to catch that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was a pretty funny chain of events there. Yeah, but overall, uh, it sounds like you're kind of like, oh yeah, like it. It's cool to to talk about Gollum and get that confirmation, but like, there's a bunch of boring shit too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was just kind of one of those chapters where, um, I mean, it it, it, it I, you know, it was a little bit shorter than the last chapter, but it was it just kind of dragged a little bit for me and. Um, you know, I, which is I, funny because they were actually moving in this chapter. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right. Um, but but no, I mean it 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 did it served well. You know, building some suspense and you you know like like you said it it brings us to kind of the precipice of this this fork in the road, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so so yeah, you know, I think it works as kind of just a, a chapter that builds suspense. And now obviously we have Gollum in the mix, so things are going to get interesting. I mean, you know. It, there's a lot that that's brewing uh, right now. Yeah. So, so so yeah. I mean, again, not not a bad chapter. It's you know not not as dire as some of the Lost in the Woods chapters have have been. But um, yeah, yeah, I hear you though. I mean, I agree because like every other paragraph, you know, Tolkien's like describing the geography. Like, this is yes. what the grass was like on this side of the river. Yep. This is what the trees were like on the other side of the river. I really appreciate that. Like. I really appreciate his attention to detail, but I'm just somebody, I just don't give a shit about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like in my head, I can already imagine the whole thing. And I, I, I like to have some kind of, um, some leeway to like imagine it myself. You know, I feel like, and I, 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 I feel like he's, he, he has the whole thing thought out in his mind like the whole world you know every square inch of it yeah. and he wants to say it and and it usually does does so in a good way but it's just kind of it's just like too much yeah Fair. yeah i agree and, and hearing you talk about it connor like 
you know, not to endlessly circle back to the same black hole that sucks us in again, like over and over. But it does make me think of Dune in the sense that, like, <laughs> as we were reading Dune, a lot of times we might, I, like, I remember saying things like, oh, I kind of wish we got more description about this, you know, like. Yeah. Like, Frank Herbert loves to, like, introduce weird things and talk about new stuff, but, like, he doesn't tell you what they look like very often. Like, he yep. only gives you fragments of it. And I remember, like, there were times where it's like, oh, I wish there was, like, a little bit more. And I feel like this is a good showcase for the other other end of the spectrum where it's like, there's also such a thing as too much, you know? Like, Yeah, and for sure. Between the two schools of writing, I think I also prefer the way Herbert does it because it... You know, like, regardless of of how Tolkien describes it, like, he could he could write in as much vivid detail, you know, the way the air felt and the way the, the color of the grass and what the rocks were like and the trees. But, like, it's not like I'm piecing together a landscape from, like, a blank canvas bit by bit using each specific sentence that he feeds yeah. me, you know? I don't yeah. go like, oh, well, this is what the grass looked like. What's the tree? What are the trees like? And then I read about the trees, and it's like, oh, now I can add the trees to the landscape. It's like, it's already, just like you're saying, it's already there in my brain. Tolkien describing the landscape doesn't give me a more vivid picture of it. Like, I, I don't feel like I understand it any better. And in fact, sometimes it feels like I glaze over the details and yeah, I'm like, I'm absolutely. losing it, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or sometimes it adds a detail that I that just doesn't fit with what's already in my brain. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I start discounting it until it comes up again. And it it's feels actually restraining. Important. It kind of restrains the the imagination a little bit, I guess. But, the same, but on the other hand, it does force you to think more uh, imaginatively because... The, uh, in Lorien, it happened to me where he's describing all of the trees and everything's like silvery and everything, but also there's gold leaves on the ground. I keep forgetting about those gold fucking leaves and the the special tree. Mm. Um, so I'm just imagining like a like a forest full of like very silvery willows, and then it's like, and then the big like golden pine tree with all the golden maple leaves on the floor. It's like, oh right, where did those fit into my brain again? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think. Sorry, Josh. Finish up. I'm just saying, it's like I, I wasn't thinking about that, and he's forcing me to consider this something in addition to where my brain was going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, there's always going to be pros and cons to any any school of writing. So it's not that um, the way yeah. that Tolkien does it is any worse. But it's, yeah, it's it, a double edged like sword. Drive as well. And, yeah. you know, funny enough, it's, you know, Josh and I actually have kind of ran into this thing because we were, you know, writing a comic book together. And, um, what, you know, I, I write stories. I'm a very big picture, very, very minimal details, very, you know, just like very streamlined um, to the point where it's like, I, like, I need more, there's, I need more details to, to you know fill in the blanks where where josh is very good at um uh really kind of thinking about the little things and and detailing the apologizing world apologizing to our art apologizing to yeah. our artist every time yeah yeah, yeah. so so you know so it, it definitely is like two different schools of uh writing and i feel like when you come in the middle that's kind of when you get the best the you know the best experience for a reader yeah yeah but it it, it is it is funny to be reading through these chapters and just going through like, you know, paragraph after paragraph of Tolkien describing things and, 
yeah, it's just like after a certain point, it's like the description is not not helping me imagine this any better. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, it, it's kind of funny how, at least you know, for us personally, how, how it kind of works out. I imagine there's probably plenty of readers, um, you know, who love this. Right? There's a reason why people write this way too. Uh, you know, maybe in the past especially in a time when the media landscape would have been so incredibly different from what it is now. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it felt uh, more expected from readers to give this level of detail in order to help them like picture it uh, more clearly. So yeah, cause this is before television was really a thing, like a, a predominant thing in media. Yeah. So visual visualization must've been a lot more, might've been a lot more, uh, 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 required in in writing to help people visualize, and then when television comes along, maybe people start to put this stuff together by themselves. Maybe this is where some like the disconnect between the generations comes in. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I do think it's yeah. it, there's a bit of like that product of its time element. Uh, I mean, for sure, like, but it, it is it, it's just one of those things that makes it funny to be reading about in the modern day. So. Also, we have movies to draw on. If it's like, what's going on here, guys? Like, I think I remember saying that sounds like this. Let's go yeah. with that. Can you stop chewing on the ball? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I on didn't mean to chew Nova. on it. I was, I Nova's, just... try- Nova's trying to get me to play fetch. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking to me. And I'm wearing shorts, so she keeps dropping the ball like on the bare part of my legs. It's really gross. Come on, Nova. What the hell? Um, all right, Josh, what would you like to go do next in this chapter? Uh, go and get to Gollum real quick. I did cover the big note about everyone knows about him, but the description we got of him, like on the log, I was thinking of it. Like I was thinking more of the animated version of Gollum because it sounded so much more like that version than the uh, Peter Jackson version. Yeah. Hey, that's enough. I know what you mean. So my, my note there is that it like this is exactly what Gollum looked like in the the animated Hobbit, um, and that same page where we, we hear about Gollum and it's like very clear this is Gollum even though they still haven't named him at this point. Um, we see a lot more of Boromir uh, going after the ring for himself. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? My notes were a little out. We're in the spot, uh, but. He's like, like he kept trying to get his boat close. I think I mentioned it earlier. Boromir keeps trying to get his boat closer to Aragorn and Frodo. Um, yeah, I actually, them. I have the line. If I, I do have a note of that one, go for it. It says Boromir sat muttering to himself, sometimes biting his nails as if some restlessness or doubt consumed him. Sometimes seizing a paddle and driving the boat close behind Aragorn's. Yep. That's yeah. It. Oh, and then it says right. And then Pippin, who sat in the the bow looking back, caught a queer gleam in his eye as he peered forward, gazing at Frodo, which it even specifically says. So, yep. I, I also like the description of the hobbits we get. Just, just a little sidetrack here. Like uh, Mary and Pippin don't hear much about. They're just kind of doing their part. But Sam is uh, like, you know, boats aren't so bad, but I still hate it. Yeah. And then they're like, and then there's a line that I really liked. Even when the paddles were in use they did not trust sam with one <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that's funny too uh but yeah boromir 
is clearly eyeing up Frodo in the ring at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of funny to think about because, like, using the Gollum thing as an example, you know, up to this point, we've all, you know, us three have been talking like, oh, you know, what's the deal with this mystery creature? And, you know, you and Connor were pretty much immediately like, oh, it's Gollum. So then it's been like six chapters or something of like, oh, what, who is it going to be? You know, I mean, uh, uh, I've had suspicions since Frodo started hearing patterings behind them. That was like when they were still around, uh, fuck was it, Breen? The, like the first town they went to. Oh, I don't even remember that, but I I believe you. I mean, it may have been a little after that, but it's like that long ago. It's like. Frodo's been hearing something behind them, like well, Bree. Sorry, you know, to me, it's like that's the obvious thing when you know after they mentioned at the at the big meeting that Gollum was on the loose, and like, I mean, it just makes sense to me that that he's, you know, he obviously he wants the fucking ring, so he's gonna be following them. So yeah, it just it just kind of seemed pretty pretty uh easily guessed like but you know so it it was still a fun lead up no i I agree but like um what i mean is like it's kind of funny because like tolkien tolkien's really beating around the bush for a long time and then in in this chapter finally you know sam's like hey frodo i think it might be Gollum," and frodo's like oh yeah i was thinking it was Gollum too and then aragorn's like oh yeah it's Gollum, right yeah (laughs) so all of a sudden you get all this confirmation oh yeah it's Gollum," but no one had been talking about it you know so similarly it's like is frodo the only person who realizes that boromir is like really weird when it comes to the ring or is everyone else seeing it too but no one's talked about it yet you know yep yeah who knows it, like is that happening again yeah it's like they they're talking they're sharing songs and stories but they're not actually like communicating about their journey yeah and hell Mary and Pippin have barely been characters since they left uh since they got to Rivendell. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, people definitely, like, kind of come and go to the forefront of the story. Well, understandable when there's, like, seven of them. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot. Um, and, you know, uh, with the maybe- ring, a lot of times, every time someone talks about the ring, they're like, oh, don't talk about that here. So most of the time, people don't even have the opportunity to talk about these kinds of things anyways, because they're very... But it's not just that. It's like they should be talking. To, they should be like, hey, I think someone's following us. And just like that, like that level of communication. They're not they're it's, not doing that. Or like, hey, Boromir, what the fuck's up? Their communication is just not the best. Like these guys, it's 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 really not good. Like they they have like weird ideas about when they should or shouldn't talk about things. And <laughs> yeah. I think that's I think that like, yeah. bites them in the ass a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little weird. (laughs) That's all I can really say about it. Yeah, Uh, that's true too. So yeah, and then uh, let's see. Just I got a couple more quick notes. Uh, Page four seventy eight for me. When they reach uh, the next day, the country on either side began to change rapidly. The banks began to rise and grow stony. 
Uh, soon they were passing through the hilly rock of the land. Both shores were steep slopes. Um, they were drawing near to the gray hilled country of the Emin Muil, uh, the southern march of the Wilderland. That's when we finally get a waypoint on the map that is on a the fourth quadrant of the map. We're off the first f- quadrant finally, at least in my copy of the book, and we're in the fourth. Mm. Just finally happened. May the fourth be with you, and also, and with, also you. with you. <laughs> Um, and then they get attacked in the middle of the night. They're they're sailing down the uh, uh, the river. They they get too close to some rapids, and they the rapids kind of pull them to the east side of the river. And the orcs are just like, "Hello, allow yes. us to introduce allow us to introduce you to our arrows." And they do so. And Frodo thankfully is wearing his uh, mithril at the time. And thankfully, the orcs are otherwise poor shots after that. Yeah, but they do also mention the color of the boats and the color of the cloaks is like intentionally misleading as well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, But I did feel a little bit like like there's some stormtrooper aim coming in here because yeah, there's it's an unspecified number of orcs firing, but it sounds like it's just arrows raining the entire time in the middle of the night. So you think there'd be some lucky hit right. uh, aside from that first one that hit Frodo. Um, and then, yeah, they make it to the other side of the river and Legolas is like, I'll be right back. And then a fucking something, I I think might be another Nazgul because Frodo's uh, old shoulder wound acts up and yeah, yeah. which it's been a couple months since that apparently now. Because uh, I think we just glossed over that Lorien. They spent like a, at least a month in Lorien. Well, they did, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, is acting up. So we get the idea that this might be a Nazgul, and Legolas shoots it out of the sky, and the orcs are like, okay, bye. Yeah, that's true. We don't know what the thing is that. And then they even say, you know, they're like, wow, I don't even want to know what the fuck that was. Good yeah. job, Legolas. But, um,. Yeah, that, that's a good a good point to consider it to be a Nazgul given the shoulder wound. I didn't think about that, Josh. Yep. Uh, I think I know what it is based off one of the things in the movies that like definitely stuck in my brain because of how freaky it was. Um, but yeah. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. Goblins is used again. I mean, it's page 483. I don't know why I keep picking up on this, but... They, I was proud of myself over. because I saw it's, it's Sam is the one who mentions it. Yep. And I took he a note can't of that, the fog. too. Yeah. I can't abide the fog, but this seems to be a lucky one. Now perhaps we can get away with the, without those cursed goblins seeing us. Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's uh, because of you that I <laughs> picked up on that this time where I was like, oh, thanks, Josh. Goblins. Yeah, because it's, it's only goblins in The Hobbit. I know that. And then in this book, they just switched over to orcs. And then it's like sometimes goblins. It's like, what's what's going on? Make up your yeah. freaking mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then so my last note is. You okay, Nova? They reach these two giant statues at the end of the chapter. These are the gates of. Fuck, where's the, it's a gate of some sort. I forget gate what it's of called. Fuck. Uh, it's like Argoroth, or as yeah. they get to the land of Numenor. 
Yeah, and uh, do fear not," said the strange voice behind him. Frodo turned and saw Strider, and yet not Strider, for the weather-worn ranger was uh, no longer there. In the stern sat Aragorn, son of Arathorn, proud and erect, Gui- guiding the boat with skillful strokes. His hood was cast back, and his dark hair was blowing in the wind. A light was in his eyes, a king returning from exile to his own land. Hmm. So you're saying this is the return of the king, eh? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny, Josh. I don't think... I don't know if you'll be able to really make much, but, like, all the notes that you said are what I have here. From the bottom up, it's... Uh, returning for you know Aragorn returning from exile Sam talking about the goblins yep uh, it's just very funny to hear you go through it and I'm like yep <laughs> I don't even have anything to share thanks Josh well I saw something in the bottom there you said something up in here if I didn't have anything on that oh well I'll throw that out there at the end but but essentially um, I think you and I are on the the same track so it's just very amusing to like hear you I'm just like hell yeah like that's what I was gonna talk about <laughs> Awesome. Glad I'm loving when we're on the same page about something. Yeah. But uh yeah, that is that is cool. It made me think more like especially at the Council of Elrond, we get like I think Gandalf particularly talking about Aragorn and, you know, we kind of get more of his backstory and his history. And so it's like, okay, in, like, the ancient past of Middle-earth, these men came from another land and, like, founded the kingdom of Numenor, which was, like, you know, really big and important and super cool. And then at some point it fell. Um, I never really thought about where Numenor was. I didn't even really give a shit. But apparently it's here... Um, because they're, they're there. They're, like, going through, like, the old kingdom. I think they're, like, entering, you know, where it was in, in the old days. And that's what these giant statues, you know, are still remnants of that, like, ancient time. Yeah. Um, but just to give it, like, a place of, like, geography on the map is kind of cool because like one like yeah it's a place you can go to but two it's like it's not even really there anymore either you know it's like if you went to Machu Picchu or something it's like oh I'm here but like you know nothing's there anymore like it's gone now it's there you can go to it but it doesn't matter you know because because we killed everyone so um (laughs) Not to say that that's one-to-one at all, but, like, you know, just that idea of, like, go, you know, like, in the present day to go to a place that had that ancient significance. That's sort of what we're getting here as they go through those gates. And, yeah, it, it's cool to see someone who has an attachment to that return. Yeah. You know, as a king or otherwise. <laughs> um, okay. So, Josh, you're done with your notes? I am, yes. All right. Here's the last thing I wanted to mention. And then, as always, if you want to jump off anywhere or share any more, throw it out there. But, okay. So, Josh, we were talking about our map before. And, Connor, do you have do you have a map in your book? 
Um, there is a map. It's not a big fold-out one like yours, I don't think, but there is a map. But Have I don't you... refer to it. I don't look at it. You're right. You haven't spent any time no, looking at it. Well, okay. About it. All right. And and that's <laughs> that's fair. But I don't be. I I love you the way that you are. Aww. But I kind of have a map-related question. And um, so I guess, Josh, if you could refer to your map as I go over this, you're already there. Love it. Yep. Okay. So we we see they're going down the river, Anduin, right? Yep. And we see where they stop at the Emin Moyle, or what, however the fuck you say that. Like, we see where they stop Emin at the end of this chapter. Yes. And or are they were they at the Sarn Gebir? Um, well, I don't know. I think it's all pretty much it's it's that region. I don't know about yeah. exactly specifically in there, but we're looking at the same region. Yes. So so according to Celeborn and the entire company and everyone else, here is the terminal point. They have to decide if they're going to go to Minas Tirith or Mordor. But then I look at the map. And my thought is, like, why? Why can't they just continue? Like, look at where the river goes. Anduin flows directly to Minas Tirith in, like, a perfect route towards it. Minas Tirith is essentially on the fucking river. So, okay, so say you decide you want to go to Minas Tirith. Why couldn't you just stay in the river? Or say you're still undecided. Why can't you continue down the river and then go to Mordor? Why is this the point that you have to decide? I, I think Celeborn talks about it. There's orcs. The, the enemy controls the entire east bank of the river from that point. So. Oh, so it's too dangerous to continue down the river. Right. And I think there's not as many crossings. So like this is the part where they have to decide, do we want to be on the east side of the river and deal with orcs the entire way down, or do we go on the west side of the river and make our way to Minas Tirith where there's the best crossing that's least likely to be controlled by the orcs? Oh. I think that's what it was, what uh, Celeborn was telling them about. Oh, well, weird. that makes that makes sense, because, I, I mean, I didn't go back to what he was saying, so I don't really remember, but if that's the way it is, like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, if they're weighing their options between... Do we go the direct route to Mordor, but we understand it's going to be, like, way more dangerous? Mm-hmm. Or do we go the safer route, but it's going to take a lot more time? Like, I get that they're weighing their options in that regard. But yeah, I, didn't, I, I didn't really understand it before you explained. So I'm looking at, like, a, a zoomed-in map of Gondor and Mordor and Rohan. Um... And from where about where they are, um, there's a there's a scale at the bottom of it that says like 50 miles, and it's only like an inch, right, on the page. And they have like uh, four inches of river to get to Minas Tirith. So that's like 400 miles of river of orcs just all along the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, I'm noticing this map has a couple of, like, cross swords on it. I'm wondering if those, that's where battles take place throughout the rest of the story. But we'll, we'll find out later. Interesting. Um, well, okay. I mean, honestly, I, I accept that answer wholly. Um, 
so I, yeah, th that's kind of where we're left off with is um, do they continue to Minas Tirith or do they go right to Mordor? Boromir is really clear, like he's going back to Minas Tirith no matter what. You know, he's like, if anyone wants to join me, he's actually kind of passive aggressive about it. You know, he's like, oh, well, if my deeds have bought me the reward of your company or whatever the fuck, it's like, okay, Boromir. Yeah. Um, but even at the, the closing of this chapter, with one chapter left in the whole book, ah! we don't know. We don't know what their decision is yet. But, you know, presumably we have to read the next chapter to find out. So that's that's kind of where we're left off, you know, wondering which which path are they going to continue down as we read through the, the rest of the journey. Yeah. And it's, Any... It's, yeah, Josh. I was just going to say, it's not a, not a long chapter ahead of us either. We're on page, my copy, it's... Uh... 491 and there's 506 pages so it's only 15 page chapter in my book yep yeah mine's just a little bit less not the end is nigh the, the end of the beginning and yeah. then into book two well book one of book two of book six oh, of, oh si God. of the six three books of six oh god but don't worry that's a couple weeks away because we're gonna read uh we're gonna read this final chapter and then we'll discuss the entire the whole book in its entirety give it a rating uh and then we will probably end up watching the peter jackson movie of fellowship of the ring and that'll yep. be its own podcast yeah so, baby look forward to next week's discussion of uh the, the final chapter and the book as a whole and then after that, there will be a movie podcast. And then after that, we'll probably begin the second book. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That is largely the plan. Um, I'm just curious. Do we have any thoughts on which way we think the party will go? Are you know, we, we taking bets here? What are they going to do? <laughs> I think my thoughts are heavily influenced by the movie. That's okay. I'm just wondering what you chapter. think is going to happen one way or the other. I think they're going to go to Minestrone's uh, soup. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of it. I think that's the name of this chapter. Minestrone. Yeah. Minestrone soup. Can't I wait for the so. battle of Minestrone. Um, that's yeah, that's, that's my guess. Um, I, I don't feel like I can guess just because it's like, I think I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be spoilerish. Hey, uh, fair enough. I'll, I'll fine then keep your secrets, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but no, I'll I'll withhold as well because I, I think you're right, Josh. I don't. I'm not coming from the same place, but um, it's cool to hear what you think, Connor. Be interested to talk about it and the entirety of our thoughts on the Fellowship of the Ring next week. Hell yeah! Anything we want to add before we wrap this one up? I don't nah. think I have anything. No, no, we're good. Well, folks, right. if you uh, if you are interested in getting more Chapter Chumps, things are really popping off now at our Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash Chapter Chumps. Join in on the party. We're having time of, our uh, time of our lives there. It's so much fun. Everyone is enjoying themselves and really loving it. Um, so do that. Patreon.com slash Chapter Chumps. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chapter Chumps uh, Pod. 
And um, you can also email us if you want at chapterchumpspod at gmail.com. But most importantly, until next time. Get ready for the last chapter of the second book of the first book of the trilogy of the one book of Lord of the Rings. Cool. <laughs>